Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, Dallas talks about community and how the church is so much more than Sundays or a building. The church is us as people. We look at 1 Timothy 5 verses 1 through 8 and the purpose of the church. We hope you enjoy this message. Amen. You guys can have a seat. So welcome to, this is the first middle school Sunday morning in September. Can you guys believe that? That's kind of crazy. Because uh, we were gone last week, and it was Labor Day weekend, and now we are back. So 12 days into September, this is our first Sunday morning. And uh, if you have been with us in the past during September, this is always the time of year that we launch small groups, which we are super excited about. But maybe you've also caught on that during the month of September in middle school, we always have some sort of community, like, why do we get into small groups? Why do we need each other? Uh, do, do we need each other? Maybe that's part of the question you're wondering. It's like, why can't I just be alone and be a loner and do this life uh, on my own, right? But uh, we are talking about community for the next few weeks. And so starting today, and then we'll do it two more weeks till the end of September. Next week, JJ Bunny is going to be teaching in here. So that's gonna be really fun. Yeah, nice. I'm gonna have to tell him, Tell him that he got some, some cheers, some excitement from first hour two. And uh, then the next week is going to be a guy named Peter Peach, who you will probably recognize when he gets up here. He normally is in first hour, though, serving candy and soda behind the counter. So you'll recognize him. He, he's going to have a great message for us as well. But this week, it'll be just me, and, and I'll be teaching. And, and we're going to actually be in the book, or the, the letter, rather, of First Timothy. So if you want to go to the, the book or the letter of First Timothy, chapter five is where we're going to be. You can go ahead and turn in your Bibles. And today we are just going to talk about the church and what is the church and a little bit of what isn't the church. And as I was studying and preparing this week, I I started to think about some things that I have seen in my life or really mostly in my, my kid's life that they, they use certain things in their life for the wrong purpose, right? So let me, let me give you an example. So something that has an, an intent, but they use it for a different thing, right? And, and maybe, maybe there's something better that they could have used, but they chose to use this thing. So one example is a fork. And, you know, a fork is meant for, you know, things like spaghetti and, and spinning it, spinning all your noodles around that fork, or actually, you know, going and taking your fork and picking up stuff with it, stabbing your beans or whatever, and, uh, and picking up those and eating them. That's, that's what a fork's for, right? A fork has its uses. One of those uses is not to be used for cereal, okay? But I have seen my boys on many occasions, and they're two and four, okay? So they're, they're learning, they're figuring this, this life, this thing we call life out. But I've seen them use many times a fork to try and eat cereal. But we know that's not the intended purpose of the fork. In fact, we know that there is a better way to eat your cereal, which is to use a spork. I'm just kidding, a spoon, okay? A spoon. And how many of you have ever actually tried to, to eat cereal with a fork? Has anybody actually tried to do that? I figured it was more than, than we would realize, right? But you're, you're not getting the full effect of, of the cereal along with the milk. And somebody came up after first service and tried to explain, but don't you see, like you can individually put the pieces of cereal onto your fork and then you can hold them and dunk them in the water and then you can eat. And I was like, yeah, but you realize how much work you just explained to me, right? Just take a spoon, dunk it, and you have, you have your bite right there. So I've seen my boys use that, something that 
was not intended for cereal, not its original purpose, but they, they used it for that anyway. Uh, I've also seen my son, he's gotten into, well, I say he's gotten into, we have put him into sports recently, okay, the, my, my four-year-old Owen. And so in the spring, uh, this past spring, Owen tried T-ball. He tried T-ball at the YMCA, and if you know T-ball, it's literally just where they have the T for the ball, and you put the ball in it, and kids come up, and they try, to, they try their shot at swinging to hit the ball. And part of what you have is you got a bat, which that's its intended purpose would be to hit the ball, right? You've got a helmet, which is there to, I don't really know why. I guess kids are throwing the balls and all that kind of stuff, but it's more really meant when somebody's pitching it to you, but that doesn't happen in T-ball. And then you've, you've also got like something that's a little different than normal is your cleats, which have spiky, pointy things on the edge or, or on the end of them, sometimes on the edge too, but not great for walking on concrete or anything like that. My, my son didn't have that problem, right? But what he decided is maybe these spikes on my cleats would actually be good for kicking the baseball off of the tee, okay? So it was like every other time my kid would get up to bat, he's standing there and he's got the bat and he decides, nope, it's gonna be better to kick this thing off of it and have it go literally nowhere and, and make, make the coach have to pick up the ball and put it back on the tee. Tee ball for little kids is really funny sometimes. It's also sometimes like, come on, son, don't embarrass me and, and do the thing that you're supposed to do. And then we got him into soccer recently, okay? So in fact, yesterday was his first soccer game slash they do soccer practice for 10 minutes and then play the game. I don't know if you've ever been involved in uh, YMCA soccer, but apparently this is how it works. And what is the one thing that you shouldn't use for soccer unless you're the goalie, but every little kid wants to use it is their what? Their hands, right? Not Your hands are not intended to be used in soccer unless you're a goalie, but there's no goalies in little kids' soccer, okay? So nobody should be using their hands. But as everybody, like this whole blob, is following the ball around, right? All, all the little kids are following the ball, trying to get their, get their feet on the ball at some point, mostly just kicking and whiffing or kicking and kicking other kids or just pushing other kids down. I mean, it's, it's kind of chaos out there, all right? There's, there's a lot of liabilities in little kids' soccer. By the way, my son was not interested in that. He just ran around the field where nobody was and did not follow the ball and did not kick the ball the whole game. But we told him that he finished strong and gave him an icy anyway, right? But, but so all the kids in the blah, blah, inevitably some kid always bends down, grabs his hands because he's done trying anymore and just, or grabs his hands. He grabs the ball with his hands and he throws the ball down the field, hopefully in the right direction, but normally, normally not. So again, another example of th they're just not, they're not able to see the big picture, I guess, or something, but, but they're not connecting. Hey, that's not how this game's played. That's not the purpose of the fork. That's not what you're supposed to be doing with your hands. There's a better way to hit the baseball than trying to kick it. And I bet, and we'll, we'll ask this, this will be one of our discussion questions, so maybe go ahead and have your answer ready. But I, I bet if we went around the room, when it comes to the intended purpose of the thing, there's probably been times in your life where you've used something like it wasn't originally intended to, maybe on purpose, maybe because you just thought, hey, that might be kind of fun, or, uh, or, or maybe just because you didn't know better. But then when you find out, oh, that's not really what that was intended for to begin with, there's either a better way with that thing or a better way to accomplish your task, it's a, it's a game changer for you. It, it changes the way you go about that task in the future. It changes the way you tell other people how to do something. And I actually think that for a lot of us in the church world and a lot of us in culture, that thing that we don't always get right what, what its purpose is, or really a lot of times we don't always get right what it actually is to begin with, that thing is the church. 
the church. And here's what I mean, and then we'll get into the scripture. I think that for a lot of us, for maybe, maybe if you've been here at Fellowship, you haven't experienced this, but maybe you've heard other people talk like this, or you've found yourself thinking like this at some point, that a lot of people just think about the church. Even when I say that word, the things that come to their mind are a building, Sunday morning, singing on a Sunday morning, hearing a message on a Sunday morning, praying on a Sunday morning, and it all revolves, when we talk about the church, it all, all revolves around a building, a Sunday morning for a couple hours, and that that's what church is. But I'm telling you, that is not all that church is. That's not all that God ever intended church to be. It's far bigger than that. And once you realize that it is far bigger than that, it's a game changer. It changes how you live. It changes what your, what your faith is supposed to look like. It changes what you tell other people about the church. It changes how you think about the church. And so here's what we're going to do is we're going to look in 1 Timothy. I've already mentioned it, but this was a letter. So you may, you may not realize this, but a lot of the, or, or the whole Bible is a collection of books. And some of those books are actually letters, especially in the New Testament. O- over half the New Testament is letters. And so sometimes they're written by one person to a group of people or to a church. And this one in particular, 1 Timothy, was written by a guy named Paul to another guy named Timothy. And the purpose of writing this letter was for Paul to help Timothy understand how to lead and how how to do how to do church how to actually be the church and maybe you didn't realize this but Paul and Timothy their relationship it was almost they, they weren't father and son but it was almost like Paul was kind of a spiritual dad or spiritual father to Timothy. Timothy was kind of his understudy or his apprentice, or for those of you who are uh, big Star Wars fans, Timothy would have been Paul's, uh, uh, oh my gosh, a Padawan. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I almost said a, a Padawan, but that's, that's not where it is. So yeah, Timothy would have been Paul's Padawan. He would have been training and following in Paul's footsteps. And what was he training for? What was he, what was he following in Paul's footsteps for? It was to be a leader in the church specifically for Timothy to be a leader at the church in Ephesus, one of the the big places, big cities at the time that this uh, letter was written. And so Paul's writing this letter and he's trying to help Timothy see here, here's how you lead a church. Here's how you, you, you be the church. Here's how you do church well. And really for us, as we read this morning, here's how the church, here's what it was actually intended to be. All right. So Got the idea of kind of how we, we maybe think about church in our minds. Let's see where Paul goes. This, in fact, in my Bible, for chapter five, it has a header over it that says, instructions for the church. Hey, Timothy, if you want to do church well, if you, want to, if you want to really lead the church well, here's what you're supposed to do, okay? Notice what he says in here and what he doesn't say in here. We're only going to read the first eight verses, but this, this whole chapter is kind of, really, a bunch of chapters in here are, are on this. So, Here's what Paul says. He says, do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father, younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters, all in purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow left all alone has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayer night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is, is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What is Paul saying here? I know there's a lot going on, a lot of specifics that he says, but big picture, here's what he's saying. He's not saying... 
He's not saying, hey, Timothy, if you want to lead the church really well, well, then you need to pick the right building. You need to get the right size building. You need to make sure you have uh, the, the right lights. You need to make sure you have uh, enough money. You need to make sure that all of your, how you're going to do the service. So you need to play two songs before the message and three songs after the message. He doesn't talk about any of that. And, and all those things are, are good and they're a part of our church culture today, but they're not what the church is all about. Here's what Paul is helping Timothy see and maybe helping us see as well today, that the church, it's not about a building. It's not about a location. It's not about a specific day. It's about the people. The church is the people of God. And yet most of us and most of our culture thinks church, oh, that thing that people do on Sundays and they call themselves Christians and they worship God. And... But it's not just about Sundays. It's not just about a building or certain buildings scattered throughout our city. But the church is us. If you've believed in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are now a part of the church. You are now a part of God's family. And when you start to understand this, when you start to realize, oh, it's not just about making sure that I go to that place from these times and then going about the rest of my week, it changes things. Paul's helping Timothy see that. And maybe he's helping us see that as, as well. So what are some things that it changes? I kind of have three big things that I think it changes. When you start to realize and I start to realize that no, the church is, it's about the people of God. It's not just about these places or locations. Here's three of those things and there could even be more. First one is that people are more important than a place. People are more important than a place. So when we realize that church is not just something that we do on Sundays or a place that we go once a week, we start to actually realize, hey, well, if the church is the people, then we can care for people anywhere we are, no matter who we're with, no matter what we're doing, people are more important than the place is one of the things that you start to catch when you realize, no, the church is the people of God. So in your neighborhoods throughout the week, Monday through Sunday, right, you can be caring for other people. I can be looking for ways to serve other people. My, my family, my neighbors, people on my sports team, people in your school. When you realize that the church is the people of God and not just a building or not just a place or not just a thing that we do on Sundays, you realize that people are more important than the place. The second thing is how we live is more important than where we are located. How we live is more important than where we are located. And some, sometimes, here's what happens when we, when we make church just all about this thing on Sundays, is that we think that the only thing that matters when it comes to our life and how we're acting or how, how we look or how we live, as long as we just do well on Sundays and specifically on Sunday mornings, then the rest of the week we can go do whatever we want. And we see that over and over again in, in our culture. We see it in church culture. We see it in, in some of your friends at school. Or maybe you and I have seen it in our own lives. Where if it's just about this one time, then as long as I have stuff together here, maybe it doesn't really matter what the rest of the week looks like. Or as long as I care for people well here, or I'm nice to people at church, it doesn't really matter how I am to my friends or my family the rest of the week. But our faith was never meant to just be about Sunday mornings. It was never meant to just be about one building, one location. It was always meant to be about our whole lives. And then this last one, God is always with us, not just on Sundays. Some, sometimes I think we actually believe this, that, hey, w when I get to church on Sunday, I can talk to God about that. 
or the only place I can, I can really like invite somebody to understand my faith or, or invite somebody to hear about Jesus is I just got to get to them, get them to church on a Sunday morning. Because the rest of the week, I'm not really sure what to say or how to say it. So as long as I can just get them to church, that's the place that they're going to hear about who he is. But when you realize that we are the church, that God's people are the church, that everywhere we go, I mean, this, this is part of the reason Jesus died, uh, died, conquered sin and death, rose again, ascends to be with God in heaven. And here's what he did. He said, hey, I'm, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm not going to physically be here but I'm going to leave the helper. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit. So that now we are, in some ways, we, we are a temple. The Holy Spirit lives and dwells within us, and everywhere we go, he goes with us. Everywhere we go, God is there. So you don't have to wait to pray because he's always with you. You, you don't have to, have to wait to talk to him or, or, or sing to him or, or live a life of worship. You don't have to wait and confine that to just something that happens on Sundays because he's always there. Through the ups and the downs of life, he's always there. In every conversation, he's always there. When you don't know what to do or where to turn, he's always there. He's not just confined to a space on Sunday mornings at a specific location or a group of locations across our city. He goes with us everywhere we go. And yet for a long time, I, I think that not only have we gotten church wrong, I think there's two big things that, that our culture, unfortunately, some, somewhere along the line, things got a little messy. One is definitely the church. We, we think about church as just a building or just, just something that we do on Sundays. But then two is, I think we think about our whole life as Christians as some point when I'm young or, you know, hopefully not too old, I say yes to Jesus and I, I commit to him and I, I give my life to him. But then I live however I want. But eventually when I die, I go to be in heaven with him. In heaven with him. We've made our faith about one moment of saying yes, and then eventually when we die, we get to heaven. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a long time to wait, and that's, that's actually not what God's ever intended this life to be anyway. But I think week to week, we, we kind of act like it just by putting church on Sundays and making that the only day for, for God. But no, our, our life is meant to be this, this incredible adventure with God where wherever we go and whoever we're with and whatever we're doing, that God is inviting us to join him in that. So when, when we start to realize that, man, the church is the people of God. It's not just about a place, a location, a certain time, or a certain list of things that we do. It changes how we live out our faith. It changes how we treat each other. And then here's the deal. All those things like Sunday mornings and being here at church for an hour and a half or so and, and singing the songs that we do and hearing messages, those things aren't bad. But if we're living it out throughout the week, then when we get together, here's what we're doing is we're celebrating all the things that God has done throughout the week. And we're talking and we're sharing about, hey, yeah, this is where I saw God working in my life. And, and as we sing these songs, they mean so much more because it's not like the last time we thought about them was two Sundays ago when we came to church. But it's no, God's been stirring these things up in us all throughout the week. If you've put your trust in Jesus, you are a part of the church. You are the church. And it's meant to be far more than just a Sunday morning. It's meant to be our entire lives. Last thing is that Jesus modeled this perfectly for us. You know, if church and, and God were just about being at a certain place at the right time and doing specific things, don't you think that Jesus would have known that? 
And yet his whole life, he's never in one place for too long. He's always moving around, always teaching to new people, always meeting new people and and healing them and meeting them right where they're at. Jesus was never confined to just one place on a certain day doing a certain list of things. He was living out this life every single place that he went, all day, every day. And he knew that everywhere he went, that the Father was with him. He knew that people were more important than just a location or a building. And he knew that it was all of life not just confined to certain times or certain places. So what would happen if you and I joined him in that? What, what would happen if, if you and I started following in Jesus' footsteps, much like Timothy was following in Paul's footsteps, and we started to live as the church, not just acting like the church is a certain place or a certain building during certain times? Let me pray for us. God, thank you for not making our faith just about this list of do's and don'ts and certain times and certain places, you, you are not a God who is boxed in by those kinds of things and you, you haven't called us to have our faith be boxed in by those kinds of things. You've called us to a living and active faith, one that looks like the life of your son Jesus. And so help us every day to understand a little bit more of what it looks like to live as the church to be a part of this life and adventure that you have called us into. Open our eyes. Help us to see it. We love you, Lord. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.